Congratulations, you have just found the number one over 50 health and wellness podcast on the planet. Hello, and welcome to the Over 50 Health and Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin English. I'm the founder of The Silver Edge, and our mission is to help you build and maintain a lean, healthy body that you love for the rest of your life, so that you can show up in the second half of your life as the healthiest, strongest, most vital version of yourself. We have another episode of The Coach's Corner today, so no guest, it's just me. And of course, we'll be back next week with our normal interview format. But this week, I want to talk to you folks about calorie counting. So in this episode, I'll cover who should and who shouldn't count calories, why you might want to consider counting calories, and exactly how to count calories to help you achieve your healthy aging goals. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I want to let you know that we have a brand new free guide up on the site, and it's titled Calorie Tracking 101. If you're interested in taking a deeper dive into this subject after you've listened to this podcast, head over to silveredgefree.com and you can download that guide there. Okay, let's get on with today's show. Calorie Tracking 101. Okay, let's start our discussion here. What do we mean when we say calorie tracking? And it's pretty much what it sounds like, right? This is where we weigh and measure all of our food and drink, and we record it in something. Typically, we record it in an app in this day and age with the idea that we're going to learn a little bit more about the food that we're eating. We're going to know how many calories a day we're eating. We're going to know how that varies through, say, weekdays versus weekends, and we're going to get some information information on things like macronutrients and micronutrients. Don't worry, we'll dive into exactly what that means if you're not familiar with those terms as we move along through here today. So now you've got an understanding of what I mean when I say calorie tracking. Let's talk about who is this for and who isn't it for. And actually, you know what? As I say that, let me let me back up. We're going to put a pin in that. We'll come right back to that. But actually, let's start the discussion here. Should you track? In other words, do you need to track? And the answer is no, of course not. Now, that being said, the more specific or I guess aggressive your goals are, the more important it is to consider tracking. But let me just say this right here and right now, that it's not really necessary. You can build and maintain a lean, healthy body that you love for the rest of your life without ever tracking a single meal or a single calorie. So I, I just wanted to start our conversation there. I'm going to make the case that I think that you should track at least for a period of time. And we'll cover that here in just a minute. But just know that calorie tracking, calorie counting, obsessing over <laughs> the amount of food you eat, and what which food you eat, absolutely not necessary for healthy aging. Now, that being the case, I am going to make a case why I think it's a good idea for most of you listening right now. All right, so let's get back to the question who should track? And then let's talk about maybe who shouldn't. So who should track? I would say there's really a couple of categories here of people that I think would really benefit from tracking calories. And that first category is this. If you're somebody who has never done calorie tracking before, I think it's a really, really good idea. Now, I'm not saying that you need to do this for the rest of your life. I'm not saying you need to do this for your 50s and 60s, but I do think you should do it at least for a, a small period of time because of all of the information you're going to learn. 
more about that in a second. And one of the other groups of people that should consider calorie tracking are people that have more, I'll call them more aggressive goals. So if you are somebody who maybe you're getting ready to turn 60 next year and you've never had a six pack in your life, you'd like to have a six pack. You're probably a good candidate for tracking because you're going to, that's a pretty aggressive goal and you're going to need some pretty aggressive tools to get there. Similarly, any of you that are thinking about, Hey, I'd like to get into the fitness model space. I'm considering doing my first bodybuilding show, something like that. You absolutely should be, you're going to need to be counting calories and paying very close attention to your macronutrients and manipulating those things very carefully for those very aggressive goals. But really, I'm not going to talk about that today because I don't think that's most of you listening, to be honest with you. I want to talk to those of you that either have never tracked or maybe you've tracked in the past, but just haven't done that in some time. So that's really who this message is for. Now, before we talk about why you should track calories and how you should track calories, and I'll give you all my tips there, let's talk about who should not track calories. And basically, I'm talking to those of you that have a a history of disordered eating, or you've got a bad relationship with food, maybe you have an obsessive relationship with food, calorie tracking is probably not good for you. So I'm going to leave that side out. For, For those folks, I don't really think that calorie tracking, even on a temporary basis, is a great idea. All right, so now we know who should and shouldn't track calories. Let's talk about why I think calorie tracking is a great idea. Know this, we ask every single one of our clients to track everything they eat, weigh, measure, track everything they eat for at least one week. And we do that, we ask them not to change what they're currently eating. We do that in order to get a baseline. As a nutrition coach, it's really hard for us to decide where to take our clients, regardless of what their goals are. Maybe they want to build muscle. Most of our clients want to lose fat, right? Maybe you want to do some body recomposition, meaning I'd like to lose a little fat and build a little muscle. And in all of those cases, until we really understand what that client's baseline is, in other words, how many calories a day do they average? And does that vary wildly between weekdays and weekends? How much protein, uh, how much carbs, how much, how many fats are they eating? Things like that. We need to know this. And I would submit that this is useful, even if you're not undergoing intensive one-on-one personalized nutrition coaching, I think this is great information for all of us to have. So in other words, tracking calories is the first step in long-term body composition management. Having a basic understanding of how much food you currently eat and what your maintenance calories are. And now what I say by maintenance calories are, this is the amount of food that you average per day over, let's say, a week span where your weight stays relatively stable. So let's just say you're a woman, you're 150 pounds, maybe you're on a weight loss journey, right? Maybe maybe you'd like to be 130 pounds. But assuming your weight is relatively stable, meaning you weigh roughly 150 pounds, maybe you go up or down a couple pounds of fluctuation, but you're more or less stable, the amount of food you're currently eating, knowing that calorie number, tells you what your current maintenance calories are. In other words, how much do you need to eat in order to maintain that 150 pounds? Now we can get into the weight loss piece of that and the the manipulation of the calories later, but just knowing that starting place is really, really important. Another reason I think tracking calories is critical is you learn serving sizes. So if you've never actually measured or weighed your food, do you 
do you really know that that's a tablespoon of ketchup that you're eating with your fries? Do you know whether that is a four ounce, six ounce, eight ounce piece of protein that you're getting ready to eat? But taking the time, even just a short amount of time, even just one week of weighing and measuring and tracking everything gives you a really good idea of what serving sizes are. Another reason that I think you should track calories, again, for even just for a little while, is you start to recognize patterns. For example, very commonly we see with our clients that they have one eating pattern through the weekdays and a completely different eating and drinking, I'll go ahead and throw that in there, pattern during the weekends. And so when we track and we have this hard data and we can go back and look at it, it really jumps out at us. A lot of people will say things like, no, I eat pretty steady throughout the week, weekdays, weekends. No, there's not much difference. And then they track and they go, oh, okay. So actually I eat 800 calories on average more on Saturdays and Sundays than I do Monday through Friday. And that's interesting information to know, right? Another reason I think you should track calories is you're going to learn to identify your macros. So your macros are macronutrients. Your macronutrients are going to be your proteins, your carbohydrates, and your fats. And while it might not seem important to you, it if you are on a healthy aging journey, you should have at least a basic understanding of these three macronutrients and what they do in your body and how you might manipulate them in order to manipulate your body composition. So for example, one of the things we see all the time with our clients is they'll come in, a lot of times they'll tell us, yeah, I eat a lot of protein. And then we'll go in and look at their actual food logs and we'll see that they're averaging, let's say 60 grams of protein a day. Well, I'm here to tell you that's not very much protein. And then we'll look at their fats and their, their fats will be in most cases be relatively reasonable, but they got really high, high carbs. And we look where those carbs are coming from and they're not sweet potatoes typically <laughs> and you know, wild rice and things like that and vegetables and things like that. They're crappy processed food carbs. And understanding that is really the first step in starting to to take ownership of your health and your body composition, right? I'll say this. If you eat the standard American diet, that is a bunch of crappy ultra-processed carbs, you're, the results are going to be you're going to have the standard American body, which is not what we're, what most of us are aiming for, right? Okay. So another reason I think you guys should track your calories is to identify your micronutrient imbalances. So when I say micronutrient, I'm really talking about things like your fiber, your vitamins, your minerals, things like that. You can also track sugar. So you can see how many grams of sugar you're averaging in a day. Most of us aren't getting enough fiber. We're eating too much sugar. And most of us are nutrient deficient in sometimes multiple vitamins and multiple minerals. And the reason kind of goes back to what we were just talking about in that standard standard American diet, which is 70% processed foods. It's very, very heavy carb uh, centric. And we're just missing a lot of these vital micronutrients. And when we track our calories, now again, we have good hard data uh, that we can look at and see where those imbalances might be. Okay. And then the final reason why I think it's a good idea to track calories is that you need this info to create a roadmap for where you want to go. So a lot of you out there want to lose fat and build muscle, and you're going to need a baseline in order to make an educated decision about what you do next. 
So if you guys have listened here for a while, you know that we are huge on the what you do pre-diet and post-diet is way more important than what you do actually during a diet. And if you don't know how many calories you're currently eating, as well as your macro split, and remember your macro split is your percentage of protein versus carbs versus fat, it can be really, really hard to know what to do next. Let's take a 210-pound guy, and he wants to drop 30 pounds, and this guy is averaging, let's say, 2,000 calories a day. And furthermore, when we really dig into his tracking, we see that he averages about 1,800 on the weekdays and about 26 to 2,800 on the weekends, and he's averaging maybe 80 grams of protein a day. This guy has no business going on a diet from where he is right now. He should be focused on optimizing his metabolism before he starts any sort of thing like dieting. And so when, just so we're clear, when I say optimizing your metabolism, I'm talking about things like reverse dieting, bumping up his protein, getting his weekends under control. He needs to get all, he needs to get that house, his metabolic house, if you will, in order before he would consider moving into a fat loss phase. Now, if this guy just just decided, hey, I'm going to go on a crash diet. He's going to be under eating. He's going to, he's probably, you know, if he goes on a crash diet, let's face it, he's going to lose some weight, but that's going to be very temporary, right? He's going to put himself into a place where it's just not sustainable. He's going to plateau with that weight loss and he's going to go revert back most likely to the way he was eating before. And you know how that ends, right? He's going to gain that weight back. If this same guy came in, he tracked for a week or two, understood this information and thought, hmm, you know what? Maybe I should get myself up to 26, 27, 2800 calories and then diet from there. The trade-off being, oh, okay, well, that's several months of work before I even start my diet. But the trade-off being, hey, when I go on my diet, A, I'll be much, much more successful. It'll be easier. That weight will come off quicker. I'll be a healthier human while I'm dieting. Oh, and also I'm going to be able to, if I do my post-diet phase correctly, I'll be able to maintain that weight loss for the rest of my life. All right. So I feel like I'm getting a little bit off track here. Let's, let's get back to tracking, tracking calories here. And you may be thinking to yourself, okay, so if it's so great and everybody should do it, why don't more people do it? And the short answer is because it's a pain in the ass. It's tedious and most people don't see the value, right? They haven't thought about, well, do, is it really important for me to know what an exact serving size is? And do I really need to know how many calories I average per day and how much of that comes from protein, carbs, and fat? And of course, I would say, yes, I think you do, especially as we move into our 50s, 60s, 70s. When, you know, if you think back in your 30s, you could probably quote unquote get away with a lot more. You could probably drop a few pounds a lot quicker. It gets a little tougher when we get a little more, shall I say, mature. And using tracking as a tool, I think is a great, great way to start on this journey or to continue on this journey or maybe even to jumpstart this healthy aging journey. All right. So we talked about who should and shouldn't track. We talked about why you might want to consider tracking. Now let's talk about how. How do you start tracking? So once upon a time, this was a very old school thing. And calorie tracking was pretty much in the realm of, I guess, bodybuilders were really the only people and nutrition nerds were the only people who were tracking calories because basically <laughs> you had to write everything down like in a notebook like on paper with a pen or maybe a pencil. And then you would actually go to a printed calorie database and you would look up 
different foods and you would write in the serving size and the amount of calories it had. And we've come a long, long way. If that was still how you guys had to track calories, there's no way I would recommend it. It's just, that's ridiculous, right? These days we have tons of apps. So we have technology coming to the rescue and far and away, the most popular one is my fitness pal. In fact, they got bought out by, I think it was Under Armour a few years back. So that one uh, has really done well, but there's tons of other apps. I know, for example, there's Chronometer, there's Fat Secret, there's Lose It, there's My Net Diary. Uh, let's see, there's a few more. There's Calorie, which is C-A, oh, what is it? C-A-R-O-L-R-Y, kind of a cute spelling, I guess, on calorie. And I'm sure there's a bunch more, but most of these apps have free versions. And then most of them also have a, some sort of a paid upgrade option for their advanced features. And for our purposes here today, I'm going to use my fitness pal as our example. This is what I personally use. I've used it for gosh, close to a decade. Could it really be that long? It's been at least five years and it's what we have all of our clients use as well because it integrates with our coaching software. And I'll just go ahead and mention here that I still use the free version of MyFitnessPal. It was free up until about a year or so ago, and then they started, probably rightfully so, charging for some more advanced features. But just know that you don't have to do the paid upgrade, right? You can just, especially if you're just starting, you can use just the free version of most of these apps. Um, one of the biggest things with MyFitnessPal that changed when they went to the paid uh, the paid version, right? The paid upgrade version is that they have this really cool feature in the app. It's a barcode reader, basically. So you can scan any food's barcode. And I mean, pretty, pretty much damn near any food known to man. And the food, along with all of the calorie info, the macro info and the micro info will magically appear into your app. But if that feature is important to you, I would very humbly suggest that you're eating way too many processed foods, right? So it's really convenient to just get a loaf of bread or a box of macaroni and cheese or whatever it is you're eating, potato chips, and just scan the, the barcode. There are no barcodes on chicken thighs or broccoli stocks, right? But just as you're considering starting this endeavor, know that you have a couple of options, right? There's a bunch of different apps out there. Like I said, I'm going to use my fitness pal as our reference here. It's the most popular one. The free version's decent and it's got a great paid upgrade if you want it. Anyway, step one in mastering calorie tracking is learning to weigh and measure your food. It has nothing to do with technology or apps. It's just old school weighing and measuring your food. And when I say weighing and measuring your food and drink, I mean all of it. So for this, you're going to need a set of measuring spoons. You're going to need some measuring cups and you want a digital kitchen scale. And you can find these on Amazon for under 20 bucks. And I'm going to make a note to myself to put that into the show notes, uh, a link to that in the show notes. You guys can find that there. But let's just take an example. Let's just say you're going to have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and you want to log this. It's going to be the first meal you log into my fitness pal. So first things first, you'd add the bread. Now, as we talked about, you if you have the paid version, you can just take the scanner, get your bread, scan it, boop. It's going to put all the calorie information in there. And then you're going to say how many servings. So you look at the bread and it says one slice equals one serving. You need two slices. So your serving size is two. You go ahead and make that adjustment. Enter. Okay. Your bread's in there. So for me, again, I don't have the scanner. I could, I use the voice text 
thing all the time in my fitness pal. So for example, I would say Ezekiel 49 bread. And of course that would type in there. I'd hit submit. It would search. It would find my Ezekiel bread. I'd click it. I'd hit quantity two. I'd enter. And then I would get my peanut butter out. And for me, again, I don't have this, the scanner, but if you had the scanner, you could just scan it. And in my case, I'd say Justin's classic peanut butter. I think that's what that is. It would come up. I would say, I would look at the peanut butter and it would tell me the serving size is two tablespoons. So I would click one serving and then I would measure out my two tablespoons of peanut butter. And then I would move on to my jam. Of course, I would say I've got, I think it's crofters triple berry jam or whatever it is, organic jam. It would come up. I would click it. It would say, I'd, I would look at the jam. It says one serving is one tablespoon. I click one serving there. I've just entered everything into my app. I've got two pieces of bread, two tablespoons of peanut butter and one tablespoon of jam. Now that seems like a lot of work, right? Just <laughs> for one peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But here's a little pro tip. Once you've added this the first time, the next time it's already, the, the app remembers what you put in there. So for example, let's say I'm going to eat this peanut butter and jelly sandwich the next day. If I just type EZ for the beginning of Ezekiel bread, it, it's just going to pop up. And if I eat that peanut butter and jelly sandwich a couple of times, the app will learn, oh, whenever he does Ezekiel bread, he's also going to use this Justin's peanut butter and this crofters jam. And so those two things will show up underneath. I can just click all three of them all at once and it pops right in there. So most of these apps are really good at learning your behaviors, good and bad, <laughs> and they'll make it easy for you guys to put this information in. All right. So that's how we might track some processed food in our, in our example here, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. That's actually pretty easy. If you have the paid version, you just scan the, the barcodes of those three things. You put in your serving sizes and you're done. But what about a nice healthy dinner? Maybe you're having a delicious steak with a baked sweet potato and some steamed broccoli. How do you enter that? All right. So let's go ahead and talk about, you may hear people say, well, you need to weigh your meat before you cook it because it has a different weight before. And That's nonsense. I weigh all of my meat after I cook it. And one of the, I mean, it's just for practicality reasons. I cook meat usually in bulk. For example, I'll buy that great big pack of skinless, boneless chicken thighs in the grocery store. I'll put it all on the grill at once. I throw it all into a Tupperware after that. And that's meat for the next few days, right? And I don't want to weigh that out before. It doesn't make any sense to weigh it before I grill it, right? Because then how, you know, what am I going to individually mark each chicken thigh, how much it weighs? That's ridiculous. But if you're consistent about weighing after cooking, you're just fine. So I recommend weighing your meat after cooking. In this case, we said we're going to have a steak. So we take that steak, we put it on our little scale, we see how much it weighs. And again, we're, we're looking to start to have some recognition of serving size. Remember in our peanut butter and jelly, it's very useful to know what two tablespoons of peanut butter look like if you've never actually measured that out. Similarly, a, a sad, lonely, tiny little blob of jam, one, one tablespoon, that's a ridiculously small amount of jelly. It's kind of a sad amount really, but it's really helpful to know what that looks like. Similarly, when we talk about something like a steak, what's the difference between a four ounce, a six ounce, an eight ounce, 12, 16 ounce steak? 
you you really don't get a feel for that until you've spent some time actually weighing it and eyeballing it. So in this case, we're having steak, potato, and, and broccoli. We would weigh our steak. We say, okay, it weighs 12 ounces. And it's a, let's just say it's a New York strip. I go into my app. I say, I type in New York strip steak. It pops up. It, it probably says a serving size is four ounces. That's a very typical serving size for meat. I'm having a 12 ounce steak. So I'm going to put in three servings. There you go. Put in three servings because four and four and four makes 12 ounces, right? Um, so my steak is in. I've got a baked sweet potato. I look in there. I just put in baked sweet potato. Baked sweet potato pops up and it probably pops up. There's probably an option by the gram. It may show up by the ounce and it also may show up as a small, medium or large sweet potato. I'm eyeballing my sweet potato. To be honest, I'm not going to weigh this thing and, and get it to the gram, but you could and you know, again, the more aggressive your goals are, the more likely it would be, or the more beneficial it would be, I should say, to actually weigh that thing out. I'm going to eyeball it. And it looks like a medium sweet potato to me. I'm just going to put in a, a medium sweet potato. Then for my broccoli, it's probably going to, it's probably going to have that by the cup. I'm going to measure out one cup of broccoli, two cups of broccoli. So there you go. I'm having 12 ounces of steak, medium sweet potato, two cups of steamed broccoli. I enter that in my fitness pal. Done. All right. But what about eating in a restaurant? So know that if you're eating in a chain restaurant, very likely the food that you're eating is in your app. So God forbid, but maybe you're eating, say, at Taco Bell and you're having a, I don't know, it's been a decade since I've eaten in a Taco Bell. I'm not even sure what they serve. I know they have tacos, right? Let's say you're having their Taco Supreme Grande or something. I'm certain whatever that is, it's in the app. You can just type that in and it'll pop up and it'll log all that information for you. But let's just say you go to an Italian restaurant and you order the lasagna and they bring out lasagna. That's a little tougher. You're just going to have to go to your app type in lasagna and you're going to see there's a bunch of different options in there. Don't grab the one that says 150 calories and don't grab the one that says 2000 calories. Find something that looks to be a reasonable amount of calories. You know, it's probably four or 500 calories per serving, something like that. But again, we're not looking for perfection here. We're just looking to get a baseline. So there's a couple of tips there for how to actually log some things. And really what I want you guys to, to think about is you're going to start to get some awareness of how much food, what a serving size is, but it also brings awareness of what you're eating. So there's a few tips on how to get the food into your track, your calorie tracking app. Don't overthink it and don't make it harder than it has to be. You're just basically trying to get a baseline of roughly how many calories you're getting in every day. And when I say how many calories, I mean everything. So anything that has any calories in it, and this includes your liquid. So if you're having coffee with cream, you don't really have to put the coffee in there, but you need to put the cream. If you're putting sugar or some other sweetener that has calories in there, you really need to add that. And yes, if you're having some alcoholic beverages, you absolutely need to add those. And my final advice on this is that if you're doing this for the first time, don't change the way you normally eat. Remember the intention here is to get a baseline for average how many calories you're eating in a day so that you can know what your maintenance calories are. In other words, how many calories you eat each day to maintain roughly whatever your current weight is. And you're going to use that information later to make decisions on how do I, you know, what's the best way for me to sustainably get to my goal. 
And now I'll also say that you can get pretty fancy with some of these apps and specifically with the MyFitnessPal and you can save meals that you make all the time. So for example, your favorite, I don't know, casserole or your favorite smoothie recipe, you can actually take the time, enter all of those ingredients, just make what a serving size is and save that so that you can just quickly hit it again. You can also do things like you can input your goal for calories and your macro goals. So for example, you might say, hey, I my goals are to eat 2,500 calories a day and to hit 175 grams of protein a day. And what these apps will do is actually, as you're inputting your food through the day, it'll say, okay, Kevin, you've had your, you've eaten 1200 calories today and you've eaten hundred grams of protein so far. And it will tell you how many calories you have left to go and how many grams of protein you have left, carbs, fats, all that fun stuff. And all of that's really, really helpful, but I would put out this little word of warning though. I'd be careful following these apps advice for how much you should be eating. So most of these apps, and certainly in my fitness pal, you can input your goals. You can put your current weight and your goal weight, and the app will actually spit out a recommendation of calories. But I suggest making sure that you understand the role of taking time to optimize your metabolism before dieting. But for reasons that I've discussed in the past, probably ad nauseum, right? I would strongly suggest don't follow the calorie recommendation that these apps are going to spit out um, based on your current weight and goal weight. Okay. Now this brings us to what do we do with all this information? So we've kind of danced around this a little bit, but you guys know how I feel about dieting. And I say this all the time, what you do before you diet and what you do after your diet are way more important than what you do during your actual diet phase. So remember earlier, we talked about our guy, he weighed, I think we said he weighed 210 pounds. He wants to be 180 pounds and he's averaging 2000 calories daily. This guy has no business starting a diet from this place. Similarly, a 150-pound woman who wants to weigh 130 pounds discovers that she's only eating 1,200 calories a day. She's got no business starting a diet from there. In both of these cases, these folks should concentrate on optimizing their metabolism, rebuilding their metabolism. They should probably do a reverse diet. They should probably focus on strength. They probably want to bump up their protein before they get anywhere close to the diet phase. Now, if you folks want more information about what I mean in that pre-diet phase or by optimizing metabolism. I did a coach's corner back in October. It was, I think it was titled pre-diet hacks for lasting weight loss. And yeah, that's kind of a salesy markety title there um, to get people to, to listen, obviously. But really what that podcast episode was about is about the pre-diet phase. It's about that, that metabolic optimizations phase. So anybody wants more information, feel free to head back and check that episode out. And I will drop that into the show notes as well. All right. So before we wrap up here, we've talked a lot about apps and tracking. I want to let you know that there are other alternatives to tracking calories. The most popular, I learned it through Precision Nutrition. That's one of the, my um, one of my nutrition coaching certifications. And I don't know that it's their proprietary system. I see it all over the place, but it's it's the hand system. And basically it works like this. The palm of your hand equals one serving of protein. Your fist equals one serving of veggies. Your cupped hand, one cupped hand, not two, <laughs> equals a serving of carb and your thumb equals a serving of fat. And the idea is that you can use your hand to just approximate how much food you're eating. So let's take an example. If you wanted to eat 2,500 calories a day, 
um, and 175 grams of protein, you might be eating, say, five palms of protein. That would come out to about 175 grams of protein. You'd want seven fists of veggies, seven handfuls of carbs, and eight thumbs of fat. And roughly that would get you to about 2,500 calories. And it would be roughly, again, probably close to 30% protein and about 35% carb, 35% fat. That'd be a really healthy starting place, right? So you don't necessarily have to track everything in an app. Uh, however, for all the reasons I've mentioned, I think it's a really, really good idea to do at least for a short period of time. So where do we go from here? Now that you've tracked for a week, you've got all this information and maybe you're deciding where you want to go from here. What should you do from a tracking perspective? And I'll just share this with you. I track intermittently. That is, I track from time to time, and it really depends on how serious I am about my health and nutrition goals. I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty fit dude, so I don't have to track obsessively. And I don't have, I, you guys may have heard, heard me say I'm trying to train like a bodybuilder sort of kind of this year. And, um, you know, if I were really training like a bodybuilder, I'd be weighing, measuring, tracking everything obsessively every single day. I'm not doing that. I'm more interested in running a business than I am trying to, to build a, a, you know, any kind of a aesthetic physique. That being said, I take time off from, from tracking. I don't track all the time. In fact, I just recently started back tracking at the beginning of this month. I'm now back to weighing, measuring and tracking everything. And I will say this, every single time I take time off from tracking and I come back to it, I'm a, kind of surprised <laughs> at what, what, at what the data shows because I do it so frequently. I think, yeah, I know exactly the difference between, a, you know, a 12 ounce piece of meat and a 16 ounce piece of meat and a 10 ounce piece of meat. So that's how I use tracking in my own life. I use it intermittently. The more serious my goals are, the more I really tune into it. Or if I feel like, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm getting a little away from optimum health. That's a good way for me to kind of sharpen up and get right back on track. It brings that awareness to the food that I'm eating and not just the, you know, the, the number of calories as well as the percentage of macros and all my micros, all that good stuff. Now, Compare that to Coach Monica here at the Silver Edge. She's a lifetime tracker. Well, I don't think she's actually a lifetime tracker, but Monica doesn't miss a day. I mean, I can't, I should have asked her before I started recording this how long she's been doing this, but she does it really, really consistently. Now, she's got that kind of engineering analytical brain, and she really enjoys doing that. Um, I enjoy doing it intermittently. So where you go from here is really up to you, and it's up to your goals. But the idea is to find what serves you and your goals best. And again, in general, the more aggressive your goals are, probably the more important tracking becomes. So there you go. That's what I've got for you today. I hope you found this information helpful. And remember, if you'd like to dig a little deeper, just head over to silveredgefree.com and you can download our free calorie tracking 101 guide. Okay, that's our show for today, folks. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I want to let you know that we have other free resources, including our most recent Calorie Tracking 101 guide over at silveredgefree.com. There, you'll find our free guides with our top tips on nutrition, exercise, and healthy lifestyle to assist you in your weight loss and fitness journey. So feel free to head over there and download anything that looks useful to you. I'll put links to everything we talked about in the show notes, and you folks can find those over at silveredgefitness.com slash 251. 
As we wrap up our time together today, you can show your support for this show in two important ways. The first is to tell a friend about this podcast and encourage them to give it a listen. The second is for you YouTube folks to click the like and subscribe buttons and for you podcast folks to please give this podcast a five-star review on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on and be sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future episodes. I really appreciate you spending your time with me today and until next time, stay strong. Stay strong.